Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Bree, and today I am joined by author Karen Hawkins. I am so excited that you are joining me today, Karen. How are you doing? First off, tell me, like, how has 2023 started for you? And then tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Um, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, too. Um, uh, my name is Karen Hawkins, and I've been writing since 98. I started writing the first time. I was actually working on my PhD in political science. I was a professor, uh, working towards being a professor. And, um, and then I sold a book by accident. And then I had to decide whether to finish my PhD or uh, write this book because I couldn't work full time and do both. And so I um, burnt my stats book on my front lawn and decided to write the book because I felt like that was, I could always go back to school if I wanted to, but I couldn't necessarily get another opportunity. Um, so I've been writing since then. I started writing historical romances because that's what I love to read. Still read them, still love them, still write some of them. Um, but about four years ago, um, my publishers, Simon Schuster Pocket uh, Gallery Books, they um, they decided to move more towards trade and away from mass market paperback. So at that time, my agent asked me, she said, have you ever wanted to change tracks? Because you could either write more romance or you could write something else. And I've had in the back of my head because I grew up in like East Tennessee in the North Carolina area. I've always loved that area in the mountains. And there, it's a little mystical up there. And there's a lot of storytelling. It's a huge tradition there. Um, and so I decided to go to uh, a magic realism and to write a series about these sisters that have a magic ability. So that's sort of where I am right now. Yeah. On series. Okay, we have, we have to get into all that, but I'm like I'm a oral history type of person. So, um take so we're it's 1998. You're working yes. on your PhD. Yes. How like did like were you always wanting to also be a writer? Like what happened where it was like I want to write this book? Like where did that come from? It came from the fact that I was a huge reader and I I've, I've never talked to a writer that wasn't a first a huge reader. And so I love to read romances, historical romances, and I was reading them, but I started, when I started working on my PhD, I was teaching and I was also the international coordinator for the college and then uh, for Gainesville College in Georgia. And then I also started, um, um, started my work on my PhD. The classes were two times a week, uh, two nights a week, and I had children at the time. And so my time to read just went away. I only had like 20, 30 minutes at night, right before bed, which I especially missed reading. And I thought, you know what? I can't, I can't read 20, 30 minutes a night and not every night. Some nights I had a lot of homework. Um, and remember what happened in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, why don't I just write one? Then I can take my time. I can meander through it and it's a little more present than reading. And so I just started puttering and I talked to a friend of mine and she'd always Found out that is one of my best friends, still best friends. Um, she was uh, had always wanted to write a book and actually had manuscripts under her bed that I didn't even know about. I can even remember we had this conversation at Chili's over a picture of margaritas. That's how big of a conversation it was. And I said, you know what? I'd like to write a book, and she did too. And so we uh, um, we started, and I joined the Georgia Romance Writers at the time. It's a huge group, amazing group, full of just the most helpful published authors um, group I've ever seen um, and, and joined them and started going, you know, once a month to their meeting and writing 20 minutes here and there, whenever I could, it took me a whole year. Um, because if you think about it, there's 365 days in a year and that's about how long a book is. So it worked out real well. Yeah. And when I got done, I started winning a bunch of contests and then I got offers and um, yeah. So that's sort of how I, I started because I, I missed reading. Well, I mean, going back a little bit further, um, mm -hmm. tell me, I always want to hear people's romance origin story. So I know you are a big, big historical, historical romance fan. How did your love of romance come to be? Oh, geez, that's interesting. I think it started with Jane Austen. I read Pride and Prejudice when I was like, I don't know, 13, 14, and then wanted more, read Sense and Sensibility, wasn't as much of a fan of some of the other works. But then somebody showed me Georgia at Higher, and mm -hmm. that that was a that was it for me. That was my favorite books ever. I just loved the the humor, the sprightliness of the heroines, um, and of course, I think that the Regency era is just amazingly romantic itself too. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So that's sort of where my love of romance. And then you, I started following that trail um, into the, into the currently published historicals. I was reading, you know, at the time, Julia Quinn, uh, Susan Enoch, um, all those, uh, Stephanie Lawrence is a big fan of hers. Um, so many, uh, Jill Barnett, oh, love Jill Barnett's books. Those kind of um, stories are always drawn towards those that were lighter and with humor. And, and I wrote, I write what I like. I like lightness. I like warmth and I like humor and really strong female characters and all those authors head in that direction without fail. Was it like a no brainer for you? Like when you, um, so your first book was the abduction of Julia. That that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Right. Was it a no brainer of like um, the time period you wanted to, to write and like, what did sitting down and actually writing an historical romance at the time look like because I'm like I can remember year 2000 and like mm-hmm. I remember Y2K and we were like is the world gonna end <laughs> so, like what did it feel like for you like entering the world of romance at the time like what did it look like what did it feel like for you it was amazing I I apparently am did not know this but people who know me probably do enjoy being puppet master. I enjoy being the organizing and, and, and orchestrating and, and exploring that. So writing was, it was fun. And the first book I wrote actually was an Elizabethan set. Um, I would love the, the Regency period, but I knew more about Elizabethan history. So I wrote that and eventually it came out um, uh, under another name, but I, a lot of, of the editors were telling me, I will buy, if you will write a book in the Regency period, I will buy it. And so my second book I wrote actually was the Regency and I wrote it in about like five months, six months, because I realized I can't miss this opportunity, but um, I had to learn a lot. I was studying constantly. Um, so it was a lot more work writing that first book in some ways. Now I know so much about the Regency. I've got hundreds of books, reference books right here. If I have a question, I know where to go find the answer. At that time it was um, a little more difficult. And so I, I, I had to learn as I went. But it's also freeing before you write a book when you're under contract, don't have a deadline and you can do it your own speed and you can just really, you know, craft what you want. And in some ways you unknowingly break what are considered, quote, sort of rules of the genre and Mm -hmm. which can be welcomed or you could be told, "Ah, I don't know if that'll sell or not. Um, So this is a learning experience. It was was a lot of fun too. Do you have like a specific book in your backlist that you're like, if someone has never read a Karen Hawkins that you're like, I almost like a defining book. Like this is the one Mm -hmm. that people should read or like a favorite. Oh, wow. I, I don't know that I have a favorite. I've had characters that I was more fond. I would was became more fond of, Mm -hmm. um, as I went, I honestly, I really enjoyed, um, I love my Talisman Ring series and the McLean Curse series. I've always had a little bit of magic realism in my books. Um, I love this series and I love the brothers that were in uh, in both of them and the sisters and brothers in the second one. I just found this following the siblings on their different um, paths to romance and yet also seeing the, the other relationships that were established in previous books, getting to see them grow as well. So I'd say those are probably, I have series that are favorites rather than specific books. Yeah. Well, now writing um, the Dove Pond series, mm-hmm. which I mean, online, it's considered women's fic. Would you agree with that? Like, it, like it's women's fiction? I would call it romantic women's fiction. It's yeah. a little past romance insofar as that there's, I always have a triangle of relationships. Um, so if you look in The Secret Recipe of Ella Dove, which just came out, Ella comes back to town and it's her relationship with her, her ex, ex-lover, ex, ex-boyfriend, Ray. And then also her relationship with a mentor, um, almost a mother replacement that she had made, um, who's Grace's grandmother, in fact. Um, and this older, younger woman relationship and how it had developed and also how it failed. And then they, you know, they try to find their way back to being friends. So... Um, I feel like that's the difference between women's fiction and romance. It can still have a huge, strong romantic romance in it, but there's a, an additional element, usually additional characters. And I all have my, 
<laughs> I've always, you know, you always have your flaws and your editor always calls you and goes, Karen, we've talked about this. <laughs> One of mine is that I tend to have big families or big towns or just a lot of secondary characters because I came from a huge family. My mother took foster kids. My mother took um, exchange students. We had at one time 15 kids in our house and two and a half bathrooms. And so I have shared tables and food and bathroom lines and uh, socks and all kinds of things. Um, And so for me, that's, there's a warmth to that and a dynamic that I find very appealing to put out there. And so um, I tend to, it's worked really well for me moving into slightly women's fiction because I always have, I have this town full of these townspeople that I get to visit and revisit. And I naturally tend towards that anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I want that. I wanted to ask, like, I mean, and you touched on it a little bit, but there's, I feel like with historical romance, there's a lot that you can do or kind of get away with um, that in contemporary doesn't work so much all the time. Absolutely. So, so like as a writer of now both, um, when you put that writer hat on, you see you're sitting down and you're writing one, one versus the other. What are some of the rules that you notice are different? Like, oh, I can do this in my historical. I can't do this or this isn't going to work over here. Like, what is it? Some What is some of it that you've noticed? Right. Oh, that's an easy one for me because I've had to think about that. Um, <laughs> okay. And I think it's one reason why I feel like historical romance is so popular because the our fantasy life and our real lives are different. And I feel like that one of the things people love about romance is escapism and Um, I've been watching a ton of Korean dramas on Netflix, by the way. And I love that in some ways they're able to do this. There's a lot of billionaire, apparently um, misunderstood sons of billionaires in in Korea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love that because historical romance, we've got all these dukes and they're wealthy and they're not misunderstood. And we've sort of taken the same storyline for romance. But the, the, the interesting thing between the historical and the current is, is that you can have a, um, a, an alpha male who's much more alpha E than in the current, because it was accepted societally. And so you see it in there. But um, one thing I have noticed is that it's no longer acceptable. It doesn't matter what time period you write in to glorify violence. Um, so the concept of bodice ripper is so wrong. It pisses me off when I hear that. I'm like, no, 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 we haven't been there for decades. Um, it, it doesn't happen because it would be wrong and it wouldn't be accepted by the readers. I don't think it would be accepted by uh, an editor. Um, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't glorify violence, but the dynamic of who's in charge, it's fascinating. And I feel like one of the things that I've loved about historical romance, and you can do it some in current is the concept of power and who has the power in the relationship. And what you see is um, a, who thinks they have the power versus who actually has the power. And I love that dynamic, even in real life, you know, um, when my husband and I have a conversation about, you know, who's going to do the dishes and who usually wins that discussion. Uh, it's, it's interesting because it, it, it adds a depth to the relationship and it's, it's sort of our own way of, um, of growing it, it as a couple, you know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of see that in historical, you have a, um, a society that was, yeah, you had a, you know, he could be married and he could have a, a mistress, but a, a guy in love, is he going to have a mistress? And that's where you see these power shifts. Um, so I think I find that very interesting and, mm-hmm. and fun to read. And you mentioned, um, you mentioned magical realism, mm-hmm. which uh, I haven't actually had the opportunity to like speak with anybody that like writes that. So take, like, give me some of the, like, um, I guess kind of the, because in in Ella's book, I just I, I think may, I think first and foremost because she's like a bake a pastry chef like she's mm-hmm. a baker. I just and I love food, <laughs> so that touched you know that on with the magic abilities and it was also like really subtle like it, it never felt like in your face. I just love it, it was really cozy. Like I immediately messaged my friend Susan. I was like, you have to read this book. 
It just came out. I feel like you're going to love it. <laughs> and we were like, we were, were really fans of um, the Hallmark used to have the show called The Good Witch. And I was like, yes, it just feels good. like The Good Witch. Like it gives me Good Witch vibes. So what are, what are your experience of writing magical realism? Like anybody that's maybe towing with the idea of writing that in, in their book, what advice, tips, tricks, guidance do you have mm-hmm. on, on putting it in there? Well, I, when I first looked at changing and I told my, I, my story idea to my agent, she said, oh, you're, you're wanting to write magic realism. And I hadn't really heard the phrase. And she's not a fan of that phrase, by the way, but it needed a name so it can be genre identified. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is, is that in, in real life, if somebody has a magical ability and everyone accepts it and it becomes a part of your reality, then it's magic realism. And an example of this is I know families, in, especially coming from East Tennessee, who will swear that they have an aunt with the second sight or a grandmother with the second sight. And they accept that. And if their grandmother calls them and tells them to be careful, they will be careful. And it's not even a big deal. It's like Ella's ability is that Ella knows how to, Ella, whenever Ella, Ella bakes a cake and you, and you eat it, you are swamped with really re, relived memories, important memories that you might've forgotten. Yeah. She knows how to bring those memories back. And so it's a, it's so accepted in this town that the Dove sisters all have an ability, you know, her sister Sarah is a book charmer and she knows which, who needs to read which books, the books talk to her and she talks to the books. And so if she gives you a book to read, the person tells like, thanks, puts it in their purse and leaves because they know they need to go read that book. Um, so that is sort of what magical is. And the good witch is a, I love that series by the way. It was a lot of fun. Um, and that's, that's exactly what it is here. Um, it's just accepted magic. And the, I, I love small towns because what I grew up in and um, and so I tended to write sort of a cozy magic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. you're right. It's very similar to the good witch insofar. It's um, it's not scary. Yeah. <laughs> I want somebody to feel hugged when they close the book. And that's that's the, how it feels. Oh, thank yeah. you. I mean, and you do have some drama in there. Sure. <laughs> you do have some, there's like really uh, the conflict is so strong in the book, but it's also still, really cozy so okay your 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 editor comes and they're like do you want to are you 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 want to switch tracks Mm -hmm. and how do we come up with the idea for the series I mean you you kind of touched on like thinking back to where you grew up living and all of that Mm -hmm. did the dove sisters like easily come to you like did the sisters come to you easily did dove pond very easy did that come to you first like what was it it so I, 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 in some of my past stories in the Talisman Ring series, which was like the first series I wrote, um, the, there's a magic ring that the mother has. And, and every time she gives it to her son, then they meet the person they're going to marry. And I got the idea for that from a wedding I was at. And when they threw the garter into the guys, they all ran away and it just landed on the floor. <laughs> nobody wanted to get married. And I thought, that's so funny. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's so true. And I thought, so there's these guys, there's these well-off gentlemen um, who are handing, trying to trick each other into taking this ring. In the beginning of every book, one brother has ended up with the ring. And then whatever happens to him for the next three months, four months, five months, is him falling in love and getting married. And he's trying so hard not to do it. None of them want to get married. They're young and they still have wild those to sew. And so at the end of the book, he tricks another brother into taking the ring. And this goes on for five books. And so then I had the McLean series where I had... Um, these accursed family and every time they lose their temper the weather goes crazy and so they can't, they can't lose their temper or their people around them will suffer right you've got lightning striking the castle and blowing off you know the turret and you've got so they cannot lose their temper but they are very emotional people and so it's really hard for them and so it's i've been naturally writing this as i go for you know a long time so when the time came to do the dub pond series she said you know have you do you want to, because if you want to change, now's the time to change. And I said, I've been wanting to set a story in a town in, from close to where I live. And so um, I came up with Duff Pond, the name, and I have them arrive. If you look at some of the flashbacks, they arrive in the 1700s, right after the Salem witch trials. And they come from Massachusetts, but I never say that out loud. <laughs> but That's where they came from. They are misplaced witches, basically looking for a new home. And every time this family has seven daughters, then the seven daughters have abilities and they each have a different abilities. And it's sort of, um, their, their magic is not like huge. Like one of them, um, um, 
well, Ella, like I told you, Ella's can restore memories. And then um, Tay, uh, the the next book is going to be about Tay, which I've already written. That comes out in the spring. Um, and Taylor's ability is that um, she knows who, uh, she every time she touches written word, she can see the moment that that word is written and feel what that person feels and see what that person sees. And so she's become an historical literary person. Um, but it's also been very painful for her because when somebody writes her Dear John letter, dear Jane letter, yeah. she can Aww. feel everything that they feel and what they don't feel. And so um, she's, it's just been, so that's her ability. So everybody has a slight ability in this town, um, I mean, in this family. Um, but I also made the town a little magical. If you look, there's some other people in this town that have, have little abilities as the story goes on, but they accept it. And so um, it's, it's not, I don't want it to be like 40% of the story. I want it to be like, the baseline that the story rests upon, like the foundation is this magic, but the people that are above it are what's really important. Yeah. How are you um, coming up with the magic for each sister? So I looked at, there were seven sister stars, the Calipes, the Calipes. I can't remember the name of the star structure, but um, there's seven sister stars and they each were known for, an ability, and I loosely, loosely based it on that. One was healthy, which would be um, uh, Ava and her magic teas, which always heal people, and, um, and her herbal mixtures. And then, um, and one was knowledge, so that would be Sarah and her her books. Yeah. So I kind of loosely based it on those on that star structure. The seven. Oh, sisters. that is so cool! That just makes that just adds to the cozy vibes <laughs> even more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do love, I love Greek mythology. So I, I was aware of it and I thought seven, and that's just such a, a magic number in and of itself and so many different formats and different cultures. So I went with the seven sisters. I feel like one thing that I really, again, going back to the conflict, I, it was really one of my favorite things about this book. I mean, obviously like when you're, that's what keeps you turning the pages, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of not expecting it because you have this like gorgeous, cozy cover. And I was like, Karen, I wasn't expecting all this drama. So, um, when, and, and the and the crazy thing is, and this is what blows my mind every time I read a good like romantic women's fic, is like the books aren't long, but there's so much meat. There's so much there. So we have Ella who returns, returns to Dove Pond. And like you, you mentioned her mentor, um, what's her name? Oh my gosh. Angela. I always get Angela and Jules yeah. mixed up. Angela was the yeah. mom. Yes. So there was like the drama between her and Angela and Jules, but then mm-hmm. Angela and Jules also had their drama. Mm-hmm. So talk about coming up with the conflict and writing the conflict. And like, it's so tight. Like this book could have easily been like 450 pages <laughs> with how much drama and meat there is. And there's also a romance, of course. But it's not. So can you just, can you talk us through writing that and coming up with it? And yeah. I am a huge editing fan. So for some of my friends, they love the writing because they feel like it's freeing. And then the editing is slog for them. And I'm the opposite. It's hard for me (laughs) to get, because the story in my mind is like this huge story. And then I have to trim it down and nail it down and trim it down and nail it down. I would say it's kind of, in some ways it's like, um, when you make a rug and you have to nail the threads down and then you start weaving. And if you make a mistake or halfway through realize, Oh, I forgot the blue thread and I left it. I have to go back and redo it. Or I need, I need something else up here. You have to add a thread from the beginning or the end. So it's very hard for me to write. I mean, it's painful. My husband will laugh at me because he says the house is never more clean than my deadline month. Because I'm just like, ah, it's such a big story. And I'm trying to fit it on these pages. And I, I really, really want the reader to feel like they know these people when they hang that close up book. And I would rather slow the pace down to where you got to meet people and see them interact and know what they're thinking and know what they're feeling. So you really get to know these people. So when, like I say, when you close a book, you have a hug, you've, you've, you've met people and you know who they are and what they are, and why they are. So that's sort of the way it is for me. But the editing is where I slice and dice and add and flip chapters. And it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, I think my rough draft is uh, one of my editors called it a glorious mess. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) So what about Ella's story 
came to you first? Was it her and her abilities? Was it her relationship? I, I was reading this and I'm like, oh man, it had to be. I, I felt as a reader, like it was uh, kind of the rift between her and Angela, but it what was. came to You're you right. first? Without it, okay. Yeah. Because I, I love the concept of older, younger friends. And I, you know, I have older and younger friends and I feel like that's a, a mentorship that, and that's pretty much what they had in some ways. Um, that's often forgotten. Um, and I felt like, especially here where Angela's relationship with her daughter was so stilted and harmed by this divorce, which I have seen that happen in real life. Um, a misunderstanding and somebody's unable to ever get their foot back in the door, explain themselves. And, um, and then basically she's, she has replaced her daughter in some ways with Ella and Mm -hmm. that doesn't work. (laughs) It didn't work, but I, I love that relationship. And I, I know some I have a couple of people who read the book who tell me they love the book, but then they go, you know, it was hard for them to warm up to Angela. And I said, you know, it's so funny because I love Angela and I understand Angela and her mistakes. She's impulsive and strong willed and she makes wrong decisions, but she's loved anyway by those who know her. And I feel like that says a lot about who she was. Yeah. Yeah. And and with Angela, especially with the, I don't want to spoil it listeners. It's so, I hate to say it's funny, but there's some trickery in there and it's not a good thing, but the moment that you see kind of the light bulb go off where she's like, I can kind of use this to get what I want, which is actually a really beautiful want. I think Mm -hmm. she really wants a relationship with her, with her daughter. You're like, Oh, this is, this is going to get interesting. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it, it, It just makes you realize like the lengths people will go to, to, maintain like a relationship with their their kids and yeah. I thought it was beautiful how you showed just um that rift between them it was hard to read mm-hmm. but um just Angela wanting to be a mom like she just wanted a relationship yeah. with her daughter she wanted them to like laugh and talk with each other like she always just mentioned like Jules and I talked you know and it's like oh wow like that's really all she wanted so yeah. was that like um I don't want to say tough to write, but like writing that mother and daughter relationship, how was that? I, I enjoyed that. I, it's so funny. I've, we've, I've, we have some author friends. We go to the coast of Oregon every year, spend a week and, um, and we plot everybody's books and share industry news. And, um, it's, um, it's, it's a group. It's, um, Susie Enoch and Stephanie Lawrence, Victoria Alexander, um, Linda Needham and Susan Anderson and myself. And we've done this for years. And um, one of the things that's interesting is, is that we always start talking plot. And then a lot of times our personal lives, you know, I've seen, this has happened with me and my daughter. This has happened with my sister and her son. Um, It's funny how often those things come in. And and I got divorced. Uh, I have a first husband and I'm on husband number two, but I've been with husband number two for 20 years and he's amazing. Um, I definitely upgraded, <laughs> um, but I know how hard divorce is on children because I watched it myself and it was difficult to maintain relationships with, especially, um, you know, we, we all went through counseling together. Um, and the counselor told me that the biggest problem he has, um, is when children are about 12, he said, because that's the age where you start realizing you don't want to walk beside your mom in the, in the mall. And he said, they're very critical on a normal situation, but they're super critical when they are hurt. And so I felt like that was some really, I I watched that struggle and I feel like, and Jules was kind of hard, but it's because she's stuck on something that happened a while ago and Angela's got to find a way to get her over that. And she's made a commitment to do it. And she's finally doing something she probably should have done, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. So and it was so powerful. Like I just, when I was reading it, the, the book, <laughs> the book that is missing, I was reading it and I was like, this is such a small thing, but it's so impactful at the same time because it's legacy. Yes. So did you, how did, did, were you always aware that that little piece of the story was going to be in, in the story? The Lost Book of Cakes. The Lost Book of Cakes. It's yes. The, um, it's the, the family cookbook, which 
my family has a cookbook similar to this Mm -hmm. and everybody adds something. It's not as clear as what they've got. And then the Stewart families have that cookbook for for centuries and they've all added a recipe and a little life hint. And so when Angela loses the book, um, the, the book goes missing basically. And they believe Ella took it and Ella's got a, it feels like she needs, she needs to figure out where the book is and what happened to it. So that's a back theme of the story, but it's, it is, it's really more about the family and not the family cookbook. And I feel like sometimes those things represent um, the harm and the, the positives too of, of a family or these, these um, things that are left, left and handed down yeah. generations. So it was very important for Jules, I think, because she felt like she'd been cheated of, a family life because of her mother and uh, father. And so I think that book had special importance to her. And then she, you know, expected her mother to, you know, defame Ella for, because Jules believes Ella took it. Yeah. And she says at one point, she's like, uh, you know, of course, uh, Ella is this really famous pastry. She's a chef. Mm -hmm. And so Jules believes you are famous using our recipes. And right. it's like, oh, Ella, I'm like, you have to find it. You have to find it. And, we're wrong. <laughs> and what's so funny is it, it's so true at some point. I can't remember who said this. I, I think Gray says it to, to Angela. He's like, you know, you can get all those recipes on the internet now. Everybody has those recipes. They're common. And, yeah. and his mother gets all hostile about that. And she's like, these are ours. I can tell. And they weren't, but yeah, it's just, it's fascinating because I feel like sometimes we get very possessive of things that are common, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and that family recipes were out there everywhere. I had a lot of fun. I put some recipes in the back of the book from my family. Um, and I, I, I made sure I made everything like two or three times just to be sure I had the ingredients and stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, my husband said he gained weight. He's not happy about that. <laughs> When a book brings on a little bit of weight gain. <laughs> That's right. It's a danger. I should have put a little disclaimer on the front page and said that. So. so far with the series, has there been a book that was a little bit more, I don't know, like difficult to write? Has there been one that's been, you've like really just flew through, had the most fun writing? Like the writing experience of the series overall so far, what's it felt like for you? It has been amazingly fun because I have Southern rooms and you take it with you everywhere you go. And so it's kind of nice to visit home. I feel like I'm visiting home when I'm writing Duff Pond. So that's awesome. Um, I I don't know, harder to write. That's interesting. Probably, I probably had, so I've written these three books and I've also written two, two novellas. Um, I would say, honestly, one of the novellas was harder for me to write. The first novella, which is... Um, Love in the Afternoon, um, which is uh, features a mother who has a child with Asperger's. And that's my, I have a nephew that has Asperger's. And, mm-hmm. and so it's a, it was very near and dear to me. And I really wanted people to sort of understand, not just the perspective of being with a child that has Asperger's, but also as a parent of that, because I watched that struggle and I know how, how emotional it is that a lot, a lot of it, when you're dealing with the person who doesn't display emotions, the way that we are taught to interact, um, it can leave a person feeling very alone, even if you deeply love your child. And so I tried to, so that was probably the hardest thing I wrote was the novella, the Dove Pond novella. Mm -hmm. Well, with this book being set in with, with Dove Pond being a small town, I've been chatting a lot with friends lately about this. It feels like romance is having like a small town moment right mm-hmm. now. Um, for for you as a writer, does it feel like that? Does it feel like it small does. town is is having this boom or something? It does. It's so funny. I was telling somebody the other day that I uh, Robin Carr, I love her Virgin River series. Um, and I think they just released an older book that she had had out. I don't know even when it came out, maybe 2015, somewhere in there. Um, they re-released it and I bought another copy for the Kindle because the one I had before was a paperback, but I was so excited about it. And one of the things was, I was like, Oh, I could go back to this town. I feel like they're a character and they're a cozy character. And I, I think a lot of people are turning more, you know, romance is experiencing some new 
breath of life. Um, it was hard when they made the move away from mass market, which is the smaller paperbacks, to the larger ones. It was hard because the uh, it, the cost went up. And then the other thing is that um, there, since there's, there's not as many authors writing them, so they've lost some authors along the way. And so I feel like that using that because this romance is having this rebirth because of this need for comfort. I feel like the world's gotten a little harsh, um, a little um, very argumentative mm-hmm. uh, in ways that we hadn't had to deal with in a long time. And, you know, the pandemic made things really complicated and, and people felt, and I think that's what happened. I think people turned back to romance um, when that comes around. And I think the small town setting is comfortable and comforting. You get to visit some of the, when I go back and read the, you know, the Virgin River, I get to revisit, you know, the, 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 you know, the grocery store clerk that I met in book two. And I yeah, get to, yeah. and it's almost like coming home. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's comfortable and I don't know, it, it's, it's weird. Cause like I'm someone that like grew up in a small town, but is also grown up in big cities where like, I feel like I live in San Antonio and I'm like, I feel like I live in a small town <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> cause I stick to my little corner of the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, when I, I guess as a reader, like, uh, it's like that you want that familiar that familiar feeling you you know where main street is and you know where the library is and you know who the librarian is and i'm like i can get that in the city but there's just something different about it i i don't know it's just something special about it i guess when yeah you have it in that small town setting so like when you're writing say dove pond or do you have like a, like a town Bible? Like how do you, are there little things that you remember or have to remind yourself I, when you're writing it? Absolutely. I have a Bible for this series. Okay. It has, it has a drawing of the downtown and what order the stores are in and where the park is, where the post office is, where the town hall is, all of that. And it's, I use it frequently. I, I flip that thing open late beside me when I'm writing to remember how long is it going to take me to get between these two buildings? I got to have a conversation. Do they need to stop and talk? Are they going to, you know, be walk in and still be talking? You know, I, I sort of want to keep that as accurate as possible. And then a list of all the people, some that are mentioned only once and some that are return players because um, they were such strong characters. And I felt like they defined this town um, by being present. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely use the town Bible. And I think living in a large city, having lived, I lived in Orlando, for 10 years and our little when we got ready to move we were talking about how much we were going to miss our little area but it was a smaller area than a small town which is kind of funny but i looked at the grocery store i used the post office i used them um the doctors i went to everything was within basically a mile and a half of where because it's more stacked up mm-hmm. but it still had the vibe like i lived near audubon park near the all part of town and it had a certain vibe all the houses were mid-century modern and, you know, we all went to the same coffee shop and we would see our neighbors. It's still, it's, but I, I would tell people, oh, that's Audubon Park. I, it had a, it's a community inside of a city. Yeah. 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 Oh, but I think it's it. a little simpler to say the whole town is the pond and I don't have to explain that it's a community inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. The reader. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's loosely based on Black Mountain, um, which is a little town at the foot of Black Mountain. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and with with this book, with Ella's book, The Secret Recipe of Ella Dove, um, you do something in it that I think is like quintessential small town kind of romance, women's fiction story. Mm-hmm. Is she comes back, and I love that because mm-hmm. I think as someone that's like my hometown's in Missouri, and every time I go back, I have that feeling of like. If I ever needed to come home, I I could always come home. Right. But there, there is that in the back of my mind, like, but I'm one of the girls that got out, you know, and like, yeah. what's it going to look like of me coming? You know, there's always that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, so I, I love that storyline because it is like a reminder, like sometimes you, and it, it's kind of like this exploration of like, um, you realizing that home, your hometown isn't so bad, right? <laughs> you know, right. but maybe you needed that perspective after you'd been away so like um 
was was it a no-brainer that like Ella was going to have that return home story and like what do you think it is about the coming back that works so well with the I, small town yeah I think I'm gonna I, all the, the rest of the sisters have moved away so they're all gonna mm-hmm. come back so the next one which the one I've already written uh, which is coming in May I think um is she comes back Tay comes back and then the final then um Kara is the next one and then the last two sisters come back together so they're all going to be moving back home is what the whole thing is that this is where their future is even though they um sort of had denied it mm-hmm. so i will i feel like the town is not the same without the seven dove sisters there and it's like a completion for the town sort of a healing um that's what it felt like yeah okay yeah so that's definitely what's what i'm doing and definitely the viewpoint of the future books in this series i can't wait oh, now i'm like <laughs> okay i need i need taylor's book <laughs> Uh, I'm excited about it. I think that was going to be called the, what's it called? Oh, the bookshop of hidden dreams. I believe is what we're calling it. Oh, I love it. And it's all about this little bookshop in town, which is mentioned in Ella's just briefly mentioned. Um, But um, Taylor comes back and she, she ends up interacting with the people that run the bookshop. And she's, um, she's on a search for, um, since she can touch, they have a, a, the only famous Dove sister ever or, or daughter um, was a, they had their own Nellie Bly. They had a, a newspaper woman in the late 1800s, early 1900s called Serafina Dove, and she was somewhat famous. And so um, they find some lost papers of Serafina's at the end of Ella, and Tay comes back home to, you know, figure out where they came from. That's sort of her job. Um, oh. and so when she comes back, she's, and I, I got to write, I'm actually doing some flashbacks where you actually get to meet Serafina. Um, oh my God. It's going to go back in the past and then back to the present. And so I'm excited. It was a hard book to write, but it was fun to write. And I wrote it really fast because of the fact that it, I knew what I wanted, needed to do. Um, so I'm in, in the middle of the edits on it right now. This is just getting ex- more ex- exciting, ah, like every, every book, every release. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I'm really having a lot of fun with this. And I love, the, and the secret recipe of Ella Dove, one of the things that I love the best about it is I feel like it looks at all, a lot of different levels of relationships that women have with mm-hmm. their friends and mentors and, and also with their own sisters and, and then with their, the loves of their lives. I mean, those have to balance in some ways. And especially since his, her mentor and her, her ex-boyfriend are from the same family. Same family. Yeah. Yeah. That's a messed up family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listeners, you have to, you have to read Angela and her. I, I hate to say, say shenanigans, but it just becomes so juicy. After well, a while. I love her. I love her so much. Yeah. Jules is like, I should just call the doctor. And she's like, no, no. And Jules was like, why? <laughs> I got, I got this. Everything's taken care of. Everything's good. I just don't want to deal with it right now. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to ask you some like just random, like no brainer round out questions. First thing that comes to mind, we'll just go with it. So first off, like tell me something, you know, now that if you could go back to the beginning of your writing career, you would tell yourself. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I would tell myself to, um, I, I am an introvert. Most authors I know are, a couple aren't and they're the lives of the party. I would tell myself to relax a little bit more at reader events because I get nervous and I get quiet and I really miss, I think some opportunities. So I would tell myself to buckle up and enjoy the, which I do love them. It's not fun, but it also, it makes me so tense. So I've got to learn. I needed to learn. I wish I'd learned earlier. I got better and better at it and I really enjoyed myself. And some of these conferences are so much fun. Um, So that would be one of the things right there. If you came with a warning label, (laughs) what would it say? Um, Must feed every two hours. (laughs) Same. Needs to snack all the time. Exactly. Must snack. It's, I have low blood sugar and my, my husband will look at me every once in a while and he'll go, yep. And he'll just pull it. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. He knows. He knows. I start fading away. So yeah. <laughs> Tell me it, a book. It can be romance. It can be whatever. Um, that you've read that you wish you could have the experience of reading again for the first time. 
Wow. Arabella by Georgette Heyer. Mm, okay. Arabella. I love that character. And meeting her was the character. Just so eye-opening to me about how a strong female character can just carry the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've read something this year or it could have been last year, like tell, tell us the last unput downable read that you've had. I think Karen White's, um, I, I never can say this. I don't know if I'm saying this right. It was a house on, is it Pretania? Oh, it's sure. in, it's in like a, it's like set in Charleston. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. New that series is so good in New Orleans, but a lot of her stories are set in Charleston. I think that would might have been New Orleans, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Southern, Southern city, um, yeah. such a fun book and just fascinates me. I love the ghosts and that she's able to. Yes. Do. Yes. I just love her work. Oh, is it the house on Trad Street? The house, the Trad Street series. There's a whole Trad series. Street series. I think that was the, was that the first one in that series? That's the very first one. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. I just, I, she just does such a great job with those. Um, but I, and all of her work, I have to say, um, makes me want to read the book over. And I, I enjoy that first moment when I get to meet, I mean, I'm flipping this page, just trying to meet people, figure out who's who, <laughs> you know, it's just miss. She just does a, a lovely, lovely job of that. And that's another book that'll make, leave you feeling like you have a warm hug mm-hmm. at the end of it. Do you have a favorite trope to read? And is it the same or different of like your, one of your favorite tropes to write? Oh, um, well, magic realism has become my favorite. I started reading Sarah Addison Allen. I love her books. Um, and Alice Hoffman, mm-hmm. uh, Fanny Flagg, I, everything Fanny Flagg's ever written, I have just adored. So those are, those are probably my favorite um, but when I want to break, I guess I, I go back to historical romance and that's always like a coming home for me. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of flip back and forth between contemporary magic romance and uh, historical romance. Well, as a, a writer and a reader of it, how does the world of historical historical romance feel for you like right now in the moment? I think it's coming getting even stronger. I mean, it's never went away by any means, but it seems to me like I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing a, like a rebirth of it. And I, I've seen a lot of strength in sales and, um, and in my friends that write, still write in that genre, um, talking about contract negotiations and stuff about how well it's doing. So I, I know it's doing well. Um, and I'm seeing it out there. I feel like, um, you know, the cartoon co- cartoony cover, I don't know what they call that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it lends itself real well to the lighter historical romance authors. It does. Like, yeah, it does. And it, it seems like they're the ones who are doing the best, um, are the lighter, you know, Julia Quinn and Susan Enoch, um, that kind of lighter, fluffier, and in my opinion, just as emotionally rich in many ways. Um, but just has, a, had they've worked really hard to insert some humor I, and, and those covers are perfect for that. It works so well with that. I just hope. You know, back in the day, I want to say it was in the 90s, uh, early 200s, they they got to wear on every contemporary cover, they put a cartoon cover. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. And and then it was a mistake because some of those authors were not writing funny books. No. And the readers- were, <laughs> I feel like we see that now, too. Yeah, we see that now. Yeah, I see it with some of the historical. And I really wish they wouldn't do that because, quite frankly, they can still do a cartoon cover that looks more serious, mm-hmm. but they need, they, they're not doing that. They all look light and lively. And I expect, if I- if I pick up my, my iced tea and it's not, and I expect it to be sweet and it's not sweet, it tastes horrible. And I feel like that sometimes they're doing a disservice to the author by not, not telling them what kind of a book it is because they put this light and lively cover on a book. That's just an emotionally drenching, you know, writ- which we all want those stories sometimes. So it's not a bad genre by any means, but, or a style of book, but it's, it's misleading to the reader. And I don't think it's fair to the author at that point. Yeah. So I hope they don't do that. I have seen some of it too, but I've also seen some wonderful covers on some wonderful, funny reads and the cover just really told me what was between the pages. And I love that. Yeah. As a like, um, very proud light reader, like I love a, a light fluffy book, um, as both a, a lover of those as well. Um, what in defense of them, like, why do they matter? Like, what would you say? I think, well, I think number one, humor writing humor is one of the hardest things to write and it's underrated. People Mm -hmm. think it's easy because it's quick. 
And, and, and I think humor is just so important and so hard. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and thought this book doesn't have enough humor and threaded some humor throughout it. And it takes a lot of work. So I think it's underrated um, as far as people don't realize how difficult. If you go too far, it's too much. If you don't do enough, it's it's missed. It's, you know, just wasted on the page. Um, so I, but I think that, I think people like the humor because it's, um, it's such a nice counterpoint to an emotional read. If you, if you have emotion in, in your story, which you need and must have, whether you're writing a romance or you're writing women's fiction, that laughter can refresh the palate of the reader to where they can continue on. Um, if, if you just continue, if you just did the emotional, um, pacing, you could wear out your reader. And I don't, I love an emotional read. I do not like to close a book and feel like I need a nap. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I love an author who can, if an author can make me both laugh and cry in the same book, oh, I'll, I'll never leave them. I'll never leave that author. Yeah. Well, share with everyone where we can keep up with you online. Do you have a newsletter you can plug? Like tell us everything. I, I do. If you go to KarenHawkins.com, you can sign up for my newsletter. I also will come to your book club meeting and to Zoom with you or whatever you want to do. So there's a form on there you can fill out if you want to do book club. Um, and I'm on Facebook. Um, I think I have 72,000 followers, something like that. Um, and it's just, I think it's Karen Hawkins author. Um, and then I also have an Instagram account, um, which I think is author Karen Hawkins. I think they're switched around, but, um, because somebody had the other one. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so that's where I am. The, honestly, the newsletter, I give, do giveaways in it. And I tell you as soon as a book comes out, um, I'll be doing the little samples. Um, and my daughter, bless her heart. My daughter is a, uh, marketing director and I'm just a whiz kid in general. And she sent me a whole bunch of bad photoshops where she photoshopped my book, like <laughs> with Ryan Reynolds and Jason, <laughs> just Timothy Chalamet and coming off doom, carrying one of my books. So she's, we just call it, I have it on a folder. She sent it to me in a folder. It just says bad Photoshop. Um, <laughs> so I've had, I've been putting those in my newsletters too. And there's, there's just a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, those are the best places to find me online.